0: Thank you so much for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations, and our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about Our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Today is a little different, if that's okay, I'm going to take my liberty. Uh, This is not really a sermon. It's... Not kind of a testimony, sermon slash testimony, so I guess you would call it a sermonony, if you put testimony, it's a sermonony, Um, but I really hope and pray that it's an impartation to you. I mean, sometimes you you hear teaching and it's instruction, and then every once in a while, there's a, it's like something was just imparted that it becomes a part of you. And I pray that's what this is today. I pray there is some impartation to you that you grab hold of. I, I can do my best, and the Holy Spirit hopefully, prayerfully will use me. He uses imperfect vessels, imperfectly. And I are one, and so are you. And hopefully, but you have a responsibility too to grab hold of it and say, I, I receive that, and I'm going to also walk with that as well. Can I get an Amen. From the cheap seats, can I get an amen? I see y'all up there. Everything's a little off today. On the bottom, we've got, a, we got more people on this side of the church, so the church is kind of tilting this way, but at the top, there's more people on this side, so, it's til- so it's, I'm a little off today, but I'm still going to share with you what I got. So I want to share just a little bit of a testimony, and because I see some similarities between Opelousas, where we're from, and New Iberia. There's some of the same issues, same problems, same roots, if you will, the same giants in the land, some of the very same giants, and maybe uh, we've been out there, maybe I can impart something to you that what we've seen, but in order to do that, I have to take you back to 1995. 1995, Heidi and I were living in Dallas, Texas, and there was an opening at a church That we interviewed in Houston, my hometown. And here was the pitch of that church in Houston. We're looking for someone to come because we're going to start an inner city church. We interviewed, went back home to Dallas. We were praying about it. The Lord spoke to me. He said, arise and return to the place of your birth. And I said, okay, we'll do it. I went and told Heidi, because I'm a man of God. She knows I hear the Lord. I said, baby, we're going to go to Houston. The Lord spoke to me. Arise and return to the place of your birth. We're going to go to Houston, and we're going to start that inner city work. And because I'm such a man of God, she, she's like, well, if thou was believest. And that's not what she said. What she said was, you got to be crazy. We ain't doing that. And I said, no, baby, seriously, that's what we're going to do. And we prayed, and she prayed, and the, and here was her, here's what she said. This is not, this is true. This part of the story is true. Some of what I'm going to tell you is total hyperbole and an exaggeration. At least I told you in advance. This part is true. She said, I can't relate to people in the inner city. I mean, we're not urban. I grew up in the north, kind of the woodlands area of Houston. She grew up in Graham, Texas. Population 6,000, a.k.a. (laughs) Bubbaville. That's where she grew up. Here was her exact words. How can we relate to people in the inner city? I've never even tasted alcohol. I have no idea what alcohol even... I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. And so I ran down to the store, and I got a six-pack and some Lucky's. After she sobered up, I said, <laughs> okay, that's the exaggeration part. <laughs> she, didn't, she, didn't, she didn't drink it. I, I drank it later, but anyway, no, I'm teasing. And we started that inner city work. Here's where it was, it was, it was, a, it was a part of Houston, Texas, inner city, I'm, you can see the buildings, like if you walked out of the front of the church, uh, which was an old warehouse, by the way, it was an old 20,000 square foot laundry warehouse. Uh, we actually started under a bridge, um, we would bring a trailer out with the band, put out folding chairs, park pickup trucks, because there was only two children in the nursery. There was my two. And, and they, this was before William. And my two daughters would sit, would sit in the back of a pickup truck. And we would go out to the homeless and whoever, and we, we'd take donuts. And if you've ever been to Houston, it's the home of Shipley's Donuts, which are the world's best donuts. Meshes is really good, but it's second. And we would take go to the homeless on the streets and say y'all want some donuts and then we'd kind of go like this okay come yeah come get them and we would walk backwards all the way to the church which was meeting under a bridge and uh some people called us the troll church you'll get that later yeah and long story but we got that old warehouse given to us and that's where we started it was in the middle of a uh, the fourth ward which was called Freedman's town I want you to think about it. Freed man, yes, is when slavery was abolished in the South. That was property that were given to freed men. And it was an inner city urban neighborhood with all the problems that can happen in inner city. By the way, it's not a color issue, the problems. It's an economic issue. It's an opportunity issue. And so we were on fast track learning Heidi's from BubbaVille. Neither one of us, to walk in to learn, because we had to learn. You, you had to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. By the way, you don't really know. You think you know until you walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. And then you start figuring, of course, I'm a Native American, but the, you know, that started, but you gotta walk a mile in somebody else's moccasins. Now that's true. And so... Then you start figuring it out and you go, okay, okay, man, it's, it's way more complex than what you think. There's not one size fits all. Every individual has a track and a journey. And then you start figuring out, wait a minute, this, there's some, there is some, uh, depending on which news channel you listen to, I'd say, I'd challenge you, listen to the other one. Because the truth usually lies in the middle. It's not always this side or this side, right? Sometimes the truth's in the middle. And so we, we, we walked that out and man, just, just walking through and seeing and it, during that season of my life, the Holy Spirit said, Nehemiah, study him. And that's what I did. I started studying the book of Nehemiah. Uh, I don't know how many of you were able to be at spiritual renewal. Uh, Pastor Jimmy Rollins preached on the book of Nehemiah, did a fabulous job. And uh, I, I want to I want to take it, and so I would always encourage you to go listen to his. his but I, I want to give you a different take on why there's some similarities between Opelousas, but I want you to see. So we're in the inner city, and it was a very difficult thing for us to move from Houston to here. We've been here 20 years. We, uh, that part went through an urban revitalization, which meant... Corporations and big uh, conglomerates came in, started buying up Freedmanstown because most of it was owned by slumlords anyway. Uh, We would do ministry to the streets, to the children, all kinds of things. We paint homes uh, in in those neighborhoods. Uh, How many you know? If you live in a place that's uh, that's owned by somebody else, you're probably not going to paint it. And so we would paint it. I'd bring in youth groups every summer. They would stay with us during the summer, and we would do total renovations of homes and houses and just being the hands and feet of Jesus to a community, trying to give people a little bit of hope. And back in those days, we had no money, so we would get paint donated. You know, the paint that the paint store didn't want. Can you imagine the colors that they didn't want? So it was nothing to walk by six shotgun houses that were all painted beautiful canary yellow. But it was better than what was there. There were times we would knock on the doors. Literally, we'd knock on the doors to see if the, the, the person who lived there was home. If they weren't home, they'd go, do we paint it? I'd go, yeah, go ahead and paint it. We would paint their house. You would leave and go to work, come home with a canary yellow house. It was a beautiful thing. Well, when Pastor Jacob called and asked us, what we would we consider that place went through an urban revitalization? We had set the church up and merged with another work, much like what Job walked through—kind of a emerging to, to get the church of future. And we did the same thing. We did a, a merging, and Heidi and I left. And here was the hardest part about leaving Houston was not that we weren't excited about coming to Louisiana. And by the way, newsflash, after 20 years, we're Louisiana, we, di- we, uh, we uh, disavowed our citizenship to Texas, and we are now full blood Louisiana people th- bur- bur- through, and through. <laughs> Y'all can just bury me on our property and uh, take care of my dogs when, when, when I'm gone. Uh, and so, let me tell you the hardest part from leaving there to here was, and Heidi said this, but what about all the things we saw, the visions, the dreams, the burdens, the things that came out of our mouth that we were going to do and that was going to happen? Pastor Don said it earlier, the, the power of speaking something. Look at me right here. I'm going to help you, right? If you don't get anything, get this. Nothing happens until somebody says something. Nothing. You can think it. You can even feel it. But unless something comes out of your mouth, nothing really changes. I just helped your marriage right there. Man, you've been driving to work going, that woman that God gave me, I'm so mad at her. I know, but you never said anything. Nothing can change until you say it. Something. The power of the spoken word it can start a war it can end a war the mouth to speak it and we were speaking things one day Freedman's town will not look like this little did we know it doesn't look like it you, you go through there now and go this is yuppieville it changed just not the way I thought it would and that was that was what was hard it was what are people going to say because we said we were going to change this community. And we had to wrestle with it. I, I could not explain it. I couldn't put my, wrap my head around it said, said, all I know is God is, is moving us. The hand of the Lord was to move us to Louisiana. That's all I know. And then we get here. That's back when there was only one campus, Broussard. And we walked beside Pastor Jacob and Michelle, helping them. What did you do? Whatever was needed. Media department, you name it, did it. Led worship for a while. I was an awesome worship leader back in the day. Thank you, Pastor Don. At least in my own mind, I was. And uh, so we just did whatever. Heidi asked me, do you think we'll ever lead another campus? Or do we think we'll ever plant a church or lead a campus or start a church? Do you ever think we'll do that again? I said, I really don't know. And then we get the call from Opelousas. I've only been to Opelousas to go to Westminster Christian Academy, which is really the exit before Opelousas really begins. This is the fur- furthest I've ever gone. And the athletic director from WCA, Tommy and Susan Badon, members of our church, said, Hey, would, would, can we start a church in Opelousas? We need one. It needs it bad. And he would always call me, Pastor Eugene, talk to Pastor Jacob. Tommy, Tommy is a coach, so he talks in coach speak. Coaches don't talk like flowery and kinda of set you up. They go, hey, man of God, we need a church in Abelousas. Talk to, talk to the boss. What do we gotta to do to get one? We got this small group up here, got about 30 people in it, we need a church. This is a church, this ain't no small group, it's a church. We need a church, this, this community needs a church like ours. And so I asked Pastor Jacob, Pastor Jacob, Badon's bugging me, what, what are you going to tell him? And he says, you tell them, if that entire small group will start driving down to Lafayette and serve for one year, we will start a campus in one year. Okay. I tell him, next Sunday, here they all are. A week later, they're serving. They're, they're nursery and passing offering plates. I'm looking at them. go, I know them. They're, they're, those are those police people. I know them. That's, that's one of the coaches at the school. I know that guy. And he goes, well, I told you. You said one year. Six months go by. Nobody does anything. Bad on calls. What are we doing? Six months. When's that church gonna start? Who's gonna be our pastor, what are we gonna do? I don't know, bad on. let me find out. Pastor Jacob, what do we do? You and Heidi get up there, take over that small group, find us a place that we can meet and we'll set something up, get a lunch team going, just get it off the ground. Just get it off the ground, man of God, just get it off the ground. So that's what we did. So we go up, get in there, start driving the streets. Lead that small group. I can remember the first small group, I go, okay, y'all wanna start a church? Why do you want to start a church? First hand goes up. Yes, coach. Because I don't want to drive all the way to Lafayette. (laughs) At least he was honest, right? I rebuked him right off the bat. I go, I rebuke you, we are not starting a church so you'll have a short distance to drive. Bad reason. We started driving those city streets, right? Started meeting people in the community. Started recognizing and seeing some of the things. You go, man, this place, Wow, driving by, driving by the black Catholic church. Largest African-American parish, black parish in the nation. And right next door to it is the large white Catholic church. That bothered me. Drive by, you got the Baptist church, white, and the Baptist church, black started talking to some of the people that, it, that are in the community. Pastor Eugene, just a year or two, this is 10 years ago, Pastor, just a year or two, the high school would have a black prom and a white prom. <laughs> Wait a minute. This really shouldn't be like this. Something's Wrong. Let's go to the book of Nehemiah. I want to show you something. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1 through 6. The words of Nehemiah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, when I was in the citadel of Susa. Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah and some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. This is, this is uh, Nehemiah. He is He is talking about that Jerusalem had been overtaken, taken into captivity, and he's asking about the remnant that are still there, his people, his brothers. He's serving a king, King Artaxerxes, by the way, and he's actually the cupbearer to the king. So he's got a trusted position, even though he's a Jewish boy to king artaxerxes and he's asking he meets some jewish boys and says how's it going back home how's my roots that'd be like you moving away from here to new york and you meet somebody in new york city from new iberia he said how's it going what's happening down in the barry? talk to me what's going on and so this is what's happening he's he's doing this watch what watch what happens they said to me those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace and then he says the wall of jerusalem is broken down and his gates have been burned with fire now y'all got to help me remember y'all help me read the yellow when i heard these things i sat down and wept question what's the last time you sat down and wept about something When's the last time you saw something, heard something that really broke your heart, and you wept about it? I'm not not talking about a loss in your own life, because we all have those. I'm talking about you looked out, and you saw something that should not be, and you wept. He takes it a step further. He said, in fact, I fasted, I mourned, and I fasted. Let me ask you another question. Ooh, I don't like... This is kind of heavy. When's the last time you wept? When's the last time you fasted and prayed? that you went, no, I, I, I'm in a situation now. If something doesn't happen, I, I'll skip meals to spend with the Lord. To I, I'm talking to the people of God, right? I mean, if anybody's going to fast and pray, it probably should be God's people. And he's going, when, what's the last? Let, let, me, let me fill in the blank for you. Do y'all remember 9-11? How many of you remember 9-11? Some of you kids don't remember because you were, we just celebrated the 20th anniversary of that. Do you remember those days when you went? Oh my gosh. Fast and pray. Something's happened. He gets the news. The gates have been burned with fire. Newsflash. Ready? It happened 141 years before. He's now seeing something that he's never seen. He's feeling something that he's never felt. He's hearing something that he's never heard. Not that the gates haven't been burned with fire. Let let me me illustrate it for you. One of the the first African-American couples that ever came to Opelousas. And by the way, this is how Opelousas started. With a group about this size right here. All white people. Opelousa's proper, and the surrounding areas is 50-50, 50% 50 white, 50%, well, it's about 49.3 white, and about 48.7 black, and three Mexicans, two Asians, and an Indian, okay? (laughs) that's That's what it is. First Sunday, welcome to Our Savior's Church. We're so glad you're here. I, I, Heidi and I can't wait to meet each and every one of you. Listen, I want you to know something. Inside of this community is 50 50, black and white. This is going to be a multiracial congregation. It is time for us to tear down pride, prejudice, and poverty in this community. It is the mission that we're on. If you're white, and you have a problem with black people, this is not your church. I just want you to know that. So you might want to find a brand new church because one day, remember they're all white. One day, this church will look exactly like the community. We're not going to stop until it does. That's our mission. We're on mission. And if you, if you agree with me, then great. Welcome home. Let's get to work. we got a lot of work to do. About three weeks later, our first African-American couple came from Apelousas. I knew they were guests. And I knew it was their first time. And I said the same thing. Sam and Kim George. I owe them a debt of gratitude. Heidi and I went to lunch with them. We sat with their family. I sat across. I said, Sam, the Lord has given you favor in this community. He's a football star. Played a little semi-pro football, a little professional football, Canada. Southern, he was a star. MVP of the Bayou Classic. Everybody knew Sam in town. And I said across. She was an educator for years, still is. Sam, we got to tear this down. It shouldn't be like this. And I'm going to need you. I can't do it by myself. Would you loan me your influence could you i'm, I'm acting like this, this is the side of the church could you i forgot you all over here could, <laughs> could could you loan me your influence sam you, you you'll give me influence that i don't have but if we could partner together on this thing then i'll give you influence that you don't have and let's work together to do something that neither one of us could do by ourselves, but we w- both want it torn down desperately And if only Sam would say it like this, he goes, Hoss, I'm in. And from that moment on, we've been walking together to tear down pride, prejudice and pride. I was dead of gratitude to Sam and Kim. I'll tell you why in just a moment, but I want you to see something. What happened to Nehemiah? Nehemiah got a burden. You don't just go get one. Burdens find you he saw something that he never saw before. That same Sam, he leads a sports camp in Haiti every year and he comes back, he's driving down the road in Appaloosas, he was raised by a single mama in the project. he's driving by the project where he's raised, got his entire family in the car and he's driving and he's just got back from Haiti and he saw the poverty, he realized that he was really rich and he came back and just said, God started just messing with him and he's driving down the road and he looks at the same project that he was raised in and there's a basketball cart with no net. Have you ever shot baskets with no net? And he saw it with no net and he said, he stopped the car. He turned around, tears coming down his eyes. His mom, uh, Kim goes, Sam, what's wrong? He said, you see that no net? It's had no net on it since I was a little boy. We're going to Walmart right now to buy basketball nets for the kids so that when the kids play basketball, there'll be a net on it. Do you think it was the first time that he drove by that basketball court? No, it's just the first time his eyes were opened to it. Are y'all checking with me this morning? Testing one two. Devil trying to stop me. It's it's the last service, so y'all gonna get more stuff than the other service. Watch this. What have you driven by? God's not going to hold you and me responsible for the world. He's going to hold you responsible for the field that he put you in and ask you to work on his behalf. We got to pray that God would open our eyes, not that we would get a burden, but that God would give us a burden. And we begin to see what he sees and feel what he feels. This is what happened to Nehemiah. The walls were burned down 141 years ago. But now he's starting to see it and feel it. He gets the burden of God about it. Do you have a burden? What's the last thing you wept over? We drive by it all the time. Heidi and I were driving through the city with fresh eyes, met with some key people in the community. I'm going, what? how did this happen? How did it get like this? How can, meeting with uh, educators, how did it, how? oh, well, let me tell you, it's the Republican, it's the Democrat, it's, it's, it's everybody blaming somebody, driving through, I sat down with one man who is a historian of Opelousas, and I said, really, seriously, what happened? He goes, did you know that UL, the University of Louisiana, originally wanted to be in Opelousas? I said, what happened? He said, oh, the powers that be didn't want it. I said, well, who's the powers that be? He's a white, wealthy man. He said, white, wealthy people. They wanted to keep it this way. And he goes, LSUE, Eunice, wanted to be LSUO. Could you imagine the educational opportunities that would have been available right there? But the powers that be didn't want it. I go, come on, man, how how did this happen? He goes, you want to know how it really happened? I said, yes. He said, one million steps in the wrong direction. And then I asked, how are we going to change the community? Here's a man who's not a church-going man. How are we going to, and a prophetic voice said, it's going to take somebody who's willing to take one million steps in the right direction. And I went... I'm your man. So, so let me let me let me t- let me tell you something. Let me let me tell you about buying 500 headphones for a little school down the road. You just took 500 steps in the right direction. Let me just let me tell you what. Watch this. Watch this. Follow this. Because everybody, it's not even our responsibility to bring people to the place where they go. I need God in their in my life. That's the Holy Spirit's responsibility. And God will do that to those families. They're going to go, we need God. You think we ought to go to church? I don't know, baby. Well, where would we go? And the little boy's going to go, mama, remember that church that bought us some headphones? Why don't we go try that church? Are y'all tracking with me? All that simply is you just got to keep taking the steps. I'm talking about an impartation, not a sermon. To go, I want a burden. Do you ever pray? Do you ever go, Lord, here's my request. How many of you have ever asked the Lord to do something for you? Raise your hand. You know, Lord, just get me home tonight after you've been backing it up in the club all night. (laughs) Some of you. Have you ever asked God to do something for you? In fact, the scripture says, make your request known. He already knows what you need before you even ask. You have not because you ask not. We've all gone and brought something to the Lord. Here's the question, have you ever asked the Lord, does he have a request? Because he does. Hey, next time, make your request known to the Lord, but then could you just stop for a minute and go, Lord, is there anything on your heart? Is there anything I can do for you? Do you have a request Because he does. And he might just give you the burden that you have been not asking for. Burdens are different than visions. Burdens get you up in the morning. Burdens mess you up. Burdens go, this should not be this way. Somebody has to do something. Are you tracking with me this morning? This is not a sermon. I hope to depart something or impart something to you. This is where he's at. And then he goes on to his prayer. And I love this prayer. I'm just going to go to the yellow part, whatever verse that is. I just want because I, I, I want to say something different than I said in the earlier service. And, and he gets down. I want you to see where he, where he talks about, he gets down in verse number six. Let your ear be attentive, your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. Watch this. Watch the pronouns. I confess my sins. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. Lord, please forgive us. We we, we got here not because of the Republicans. We got here not because of the Democrats. We got here because of I and we. We got here because of me, and us, do you, do you see the pronouns? We got here because we weren't doing what we were supposed to be doing. That's the reason why we are here. Look at me right here. This is what I said, Naapaouss. You know what, You know how the city got this way? This is Naapaouss. The city got this way because the church quit being the church. We quit standing in front of politicians and going, "That's wrong. We abdicated our responsibility. We, 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 we were just okay if we just come inside our four walls and sing, let the earth hear his voice. We's happy enough. You know what Nehemiah started doing? He started taking responsibility when he could have been blaming everybody else. Lord, it's our responsibility. Can I say something to you New Iberia? The way this community goes is your responsibility. You are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. God is going to hold you responsible for the field that he placed you in. And Instead of complaining about it, he's going to say, no, I don't want you to complain about it. I want you to do something about it. I want you, I want you to do something. I want you to say something. I, I, want, I want to put a burden on your heart. I want you to drive by and start opening up your eyes and let you see what God sees. Let you feel what God feels. Let you hear what God hears. That he's going to open up your heart. Are you all tracking with me this morning? I said in the earlier service, I'll say it here, you will never be who you want to be if you keep blaming everybody else for who you are. Somebody said if you could kick the person in the pants responsible for most of your trouble, you wouldn't sit for a month. Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. I'll just tell you the rest of the story. You can read it later in Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah is going to go and uh, he's going to help me. Uh, Isaac is going to help me, my brother, which means I'm closing. That's what that means. That the preacher's about to wrap it up. That's what that means. We don't have to have Isaac do it, it just lets you know that the preacher's getting ready to finish when the keyboard player comes up there. Did y'all know that? That's all that is. But it's going to take me a minute. Lord, please impart something. I'm praying, Father, right now for the heart of stone that you would make it a heart of flesh. Lord, I am praying right now by the Holy Spirit that you would open up the eyes of your people, the ears of your people. Forgive us for our selfish prayers. Lord, what's on your heart? The I and the we. I and the we. Which means we, as a church, have a responsibility and I, as an individual, has a responsibility. That, that I don't have to wait for Pastor Don and this incredible team to come up with an outreach of 500 headphones to be the hands and feet of Jesus to my community. I see it every day, don't you? I am a Christian, little Christ, ambassador, a representation of who Jesus is. Are you tracking with me? I, the burden. Oh, I see it. I see it. This church is going to be full multiple times. Oh, there's, there's a harvest coming. There is. Uh, no, no, I said there's a harvest coming. I see it. I can see it. I can feel it. I can see it. It's, 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 how are we going to get there, Pat? One million steps. How did New Iberia get this way? One million steps in the wrong direction. How's it going, how's it going to get out? One million steps in the right direction. Oh, so he's, he's going he's a cupbearer. He's gonna, he gonna take, that's that, that means he, he it's a pretty cool gig. You get to drink the king's wine and then give it to the king, you're the taster. Not only to say it was good or not, they did that in case it was poisoned. Not, not everybody was applying. It's a 50, 50 shot, a trusted position. He gets before the king. King says, why do you look so sad? He said, well, wouldn't you be sad king? man, my my family, my peeps, my people, their gates have been burned with fire. He prayed real quick, Lord, give me favor. Oh, if you'll get a burden, God will give you favor. If you'll get a burden, God will give you favor. If if you'll step in and go, God, I'm on this. I'm in. I'm going to do something. If you'll do something, God will give you favor. And he stands before that king and he says, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to go rebuild those walls. How long will you be gone? Well, I'd like to be gone a certain number of days and and he goes, Okay, well I grant you request. Oh, one more thing, God. One more. I'm gonna need some provision. I'm gonna need some stuff. I'm gonna need some gate. He's gonna need some money. King granted that too. Even protect and then the king said, I'll even give you my guard to go with you to protect you on your journey. Protect you? Oh yeah, look at me. Right here, right here. Wherever God gives you a burden, that's the safest place in the world to be. It don't matter if it's Haiti or Friedman's Town or New Iberia north side, south side, doesn't really matter. Wherever God gives you a burden is the safest place in the world to be. He gets down to the end. Of course, he finally meets the people. And he says, people, we're tells about the king's hand and what he did and what are we going to do. And He says, well, we're going to rebuild this wall. And the people went, let's do it. And then the scripture says, they, they, he, he divided the wall between people. He's like, okay, I need, sir, I need your family. I need y'all to take this section. Y'all, is that your whole family right there, sir? Is that your family? Right oh, yeah, that's a big family. We're gonna give y'all a little bit bigger section. How about uh right here? Are y'all all friends right here? This is family, We're gonna give y'all this section. How about how about y'all? This is your whole family. Okay, we're gonna give y'all a pretty good size. How about how about uh, well Don Norman gets like half the stage because he has 72 kids. Okay. Uh, sir, you and your wife, we're just gonna give y'all a little, just y'all two, we're gonna give y'all a little section, ma'am. We're just gonna give you a section here. We go. We're going to divide together. Everybody say together. There's the I responsibility. There and there's the we responsibility. We're going. We, we are going to do this together. Y'all still tracking? It's not just black and white. Prejudice comes in all forms, right? Prejudice is as old as the garden between Cain and Abel. The devil's been using that playbook ever since. He'll use it between rich and poor, have and have not. He'll use it to his advantage. Political parties, he'll use it to his advantage. He just will. It's an old playbook. Religious prejudice. We we made the... one, One pastor sent a letter to our office and said... I will spend the rest of my days exposing you for stealing sheep. Wow, really? I got to have lunch with him later. I said, sir, I love you. I don't even know you that well. I love you. I promise you, I have not stolen any sheep. I don't even, I don't even know who, 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 don't, who, who these people are. The the church is growing so fast, I don't even know who they are. And he said, well, I've lost $40,000 a month in income. And I said, I didn't find it. (laughs) And then I looked at him and said, sir, you've been planting seeds in this community for 20 years, long before I got here. I just happened to be coming in at the time of harvest Part of what's happening at our church is because you've been faithful for 20 years, planting seeds in this community, breaking down those walls. If you weren't breaking down those walls, what you're seeing at our Savior's church would not be happening right now. It's because it's part of your work too. I want you to know that. I'm smart enough to know it ain't me. It's you. It's more you than me. Thank you. Thank you for being faithful for 20 years. And he just went, okay, I'm not that mad at you anymore. Oh, we've made the, the Catholic bulletin. If you get baptized at that church, you are no longer going to be part of our church. Made that bulletin. Oh, we've made uh, one of the religious classes at the Catholic school said, list why you do not attend mass. Number one reason, my parents don't. Number two reason, is because we we're on vacation. Number three reasons, because I now go to our savior church. Do you think there might be some persecution there? got persecution when we first arrived there because black pastors would say to black folks in their church, you can't go to that church. That is a white church. We are not a white church. Jesus never used any of these labels that we now use. He said, there's, there's only two labels that Jesus would ever, 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 ever put on a man, ever. And it ought to be the only two labels that we ever put on anyone. Lost and found. There's only two. Lost and found. Look at me. The same giants are in this region that we've been fighting in that one. Nothing happens until somebody says something. And now you can go to the congregation and it looks like the community you live in. Black and white, rich and poor. I call it RDs and Is, Republicans, Democrats and Independents, Baptist, Catholic, And people ask me all the time, Pastor Eugene, because I always say, I don't care what flag you fly. I really don't. I don't care which one you fly. As long as the flag of Jesus flies higher than all of them, I don't care. And I said, look, there's the primary doctrines that we must agree on. Salvation is found in no other. Water baptism, you know, the the primary doctrines of Scripture, they're secondary doctrines of Scripture that we might have some nuances with. And I tell our people all the time, I'm right, you're wrong, but that's okay. We can still walk together. Are y'all with me? Y'all don't want, y'all don't want me to say what I'm about to say. There's a reason why we put a sign out in front of every church. We put that sign out there so we'll, we're majoring on what we're different. We're Baptist, we're Catholic, we're Assembly. Of God. We believe different than all those others. Instead of building on what makes us the same, is that crazy? Prejudice is more than just colors. It comes in all forms and fashions, trying to divide this thing called the body of Christ. We got to tear down. We got some walls we need to tear down, like prejudice, and we got some walls we need to build up. How many of you have driven by Opelousas and you see after ten years? Mobile church, setting up, breaking down every single Sunday, and you see that beautiful building. How many of you have driven by it and you've seen it? You may not have been in it yet, but you've seen it. If you drive by and you go, oh, that is so cool. That is so nice. Okay, listen to me. It's not the church. It's just just a building. It's brick and mortar. Y'all know that, right? It's just a building. It's a cool building, but it's just a building. But it is a sign and a wonder to our community. You Was know, it a sign of wonder? Danny Jackson, Pamela Jackson, Doctor Pamela Jackson, African American couple in our church. Sam and Kim opened the door. Sam and Kim gave me influence. Sam and Kim said, "This is good. This is good." Danny and Pam were one of those couples that came. I discipled them. Danny is six foot seven born raised, Opelousas, African-American, business owner. He's intimidating. He looks like he played NFL, in the NFL. He's like my brother. He's big, tall, strong. Got a big, deep voice, kind of talked like Samuel L. Jackson. And, uh, we, we eat at their home, they eat at our home, and we, we're friends, we, we've gone out places together, and, uh, and, uh, I get it. We get invited to Easter. And so we always go over Easter. After Easter Sunday, we always go to their house and with their family and just have a blast. And uh, we got invited over. I'm a sucker for chili cheese dogs. and We go over and on the refrigerator, there's Heidi and our picture of our family's Christmas postcard is on their refrigerator. You, you know you got to be up there to make it to somebody's refrigerator you, you made it if you're on their fridge you made it we're not on the we're not on the the desk anywhere else we're on the fridge and there's only two two family pictures on there there was our christmas photo and then right above us was the obama family christmas photo and i said danny this is awesome thank y'all for putting oh we love y'all putting it on the fridge i said there's only one thing y'all got this out of order we should be above the obama family Danny came to me one day and said, are you serious about tearing down pride, prejudice and poverty? I said, I am. He said, then we need to build something because black people and white people have never built something in this town. Ever. And if we're serious about it, not only are we going to tear down, we have to build up. And black folks and white folks need to build something together. You need to find the best piece of property we can find in St. Landry Parish. Y'all need to design a building and we need to build it together. And I said, that is the word of the Lord. And now when you drive by that, it is a sign and a wonder of tearing things down and building things up. It all began with a burden. Oh, by the way, all the things we're seeing now in Hopelousas, is the things we said in Houston, Texas, in Freedmanstown. Mm. Look at me. You need to hear this. You sow in one field in the kingdom. You sow in one field and you reap in another. So even even though you may be discipling somebody right now, and you go, I lost them. I'll never do that, but they broke my... No, you sowed in that field. Watch out. You're going to reap in another field. Another field's coming. You You just keep throwing your seeds. You keep doing what's right. You keep taking the million steps. You keep planting seeds. I want to pray over you, imparting to you a burden from God that you'll see what you haven't seen that you'll hear what you haven't heard and that you'll feel what you haven't felt in a long time. I'm praying that the Lord will mess you up. Would you bow your heads and lift your hands? Holy Spirit, would you come now? I pray over this congregation, Father, mess them up. Just mess them up give us a burden let us see what you see hear what you hear and feel what you feel when we drive through new iberia we're not responsible for lafayette or anything. but you will hold us responsible i forgive us of our sin forgive me of our sin we take responsibility for the community you planted us in to see it, and to say it. And I ask in Jesus' name that you will mess up your people with the burden of the Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.